So my official title is operations strategist. What that means realistically is for any online service provider, so they're the people that I help predominantly, um, get to grips with the back end of the business. And what I mean by that is anything that's not the actual service delivery themselves, all of the other stuff that has to happen to allow that delivery of the service. So whether it's a coach or an accountant or a virtual assistant, whoever it might be, I streamline and build out and just make things work behind the scenes. So a lot of it involves online platforms. So there's a lot of automation and efficiency that goes on um, and dealing with team members as well of how to communicate with team members efficiently too. So keywords, probably efficiency processes um, and automations. And can you give us a couple of examples of like tasks that you do for a lot of your clients? Mm. So I have a few different clients. So if I talk through maybe like retained clients first so the retainers are the ones that I am their sort of operations manager in their business so a lot of it is that I don't actually do the tasks so if you could imagine like a virtual assistant is doing the actual tasks I'm the one in the back end making sure that they have the most efficient way to do that task so there's a lot of um like mapping of processes and workflows, making sure that um, deadlines are met, clients are taken care of, all of those sort of other pieces of the puzzle that aren't necessarily revenue generating. Um, that's what I look after for retained clients. So kind of just making the business tick over. And that sounds, it can sound really vague, um, but actually it's all of the bits that you don't see of the business, how to generate the the revenue so how to make things run smoothly behind the scenes and making sure things don't don't slip through the net so for example if a payment fails in your business what's the process uh, there's a lot of that in the minute with um like payment plans people sign up to a payment plan so maybe like a coach for example a client signs up to a payment plan and they get instant access to all the material but then their second payment fails what happens at that point you know so that's where i come in and sort of make procedures processes to actually make sure that hopefully that doesn't happen in the first place and if it does there is some sort of action that happens and that might be that the team needs to do something or might be the business owner needs to make contact with the client whatever that is that's what I facilitate behind the scenes so that's the sort of day-to-day -day operations manager side of things sort of the OBM side of things the second side is the consultancy side which is obviously not me on the ground doing that but me advising you on how you can implement those kind of processes in your business and doing a lot of sort of working out how you can improve your business whether that's in the profitability efficiency the actual structure of the business all of those bits behind the scenes that's what I can come in and consult on for businesses amazing and as you were saying all of that, I was thinking back to some of the clients I've worked with and, and myself as well when I started business. And I think one of the reasons that people need a hand with this is that a lot of people are very, very good and very excited by and very passionate about the thing that they do, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. But some of this kind of stuff that you're talking about, I think might be the stuff people see as a bit boring or a bit oh, mind -blowing. 100%. And um, this is something that I've... Uh, 
I feel like I'm better at now, but I don't feel like I can ever be brilliant at it. But I've really struggled with my messaging, to be honest, Gemma, over the past few years, because it kind of is the boring bit. And it's like, how do you make it sexy and appealing and attractive to somebody to actually get them to invest in this and actually getting them to see the value? I guess that's the the key point is seeing the value in actually implementing the right systems and processes and getting the right team around them. Um, because a lot of the stuff that sells online is the direct revenue generation. You know, if a coach puts the hand up and says, right, I can give you the, the toolkit to make 10K months, or someone like me comes along and says, I can improve your backend processes and your team structure. Who are you going to invest in? And that's something that I've had like as an ongoing messaging issue in my in my business. But I know that a lot of people that work in sort of operations and admin feel that kind of struggle too because it's not the sexy sales and marketing side it's it's the other side of the business that's absolutely crucial because you don't really have a business without this kind of thing you know clients can come and go you could lose all of your clients but you'd still have a business so what is that business it's your processes it's your online platforms it's your team that kind of is the business and that's how I see it Mm. and I think um I know you said there that it's, it's maybe not something you've totally figured out yet. Mm. But I do think, and perhaps this is just my own opinion rather than the, the sort of general trend, but I mm. think it's becoming slightly different. I feel like maybe a couple of years ago, it was all very much six-figure years, 10K months, yeah. like, you know, sell out your offers. And I think maybe now we're shifting a little bit more towards actually your strategy is really important and your customer service is essential and if you want to retain clients you need to give them a good service before you think about new clients and I feel like there's maybe a shifting conversation yeah I, I I really hope so and I'm glad that you've seen that because that's something that um I really feel a part of that that kind of movement of actually getting people to think you know I want to do business with integrity I want to have all of my legal contracts in place I want to make sure I'm doing due diligence on my clients and making sure that they're taken care of and not made to feel like the sales the most important thing because then I can say that I had a 10k month or a six-figure year actually what's important is the ongoing care of that client um that would be lovely if the the focus switched to sort of a sustainable impactful business Um, and I really hope it is going that way (laughs) fingers crossed because that's so much that's just such a nicer way to do business you know we're all here to to create impact and you know it's a business we're here to make money but there's so many ways that you can do that that actually you don't have to go along with the, the narrative of income claim marketing and and all of the sort of stuff that we now start rolling our eyes at a little bit. And it's like, oh, that's so 2020, 2021, you know, that feels really old now. Um, and the actual sustainable, you know, this kind of sexiness and the sustainability of a business and being able to take time off. That's a huge thing. I think so many of us started our businesses in lockdown mm-hmm. and, you know, we were forced to stay in the house and there was nothing else to really focus on. And then as the, the world's gradually opened up over the last year or two, that actually, we've realized that we've almost created created our own box. Like we've put ourselves in this box of, right, I'm going to work all the hours and do everything I can and show up on all the platforms. And this is where I get all my clients. And actually that's not a sustainable business model. So how do you kind of unpick yourself from that? And that's where I like to think that I can, I can help. Mm, you might have kind of 
answered or began to answer this question, but what would you say are some of the most common problems that you see with people that you work with or people that are interested in working with you that mm. come up all of the time? Um, so I work with a lot of mums um, who are sort of ex-corporate women, still really, really serious business women. Um, you know, this isn't like a side hustle. This is like they're trying to equal their corporate salary and so much more. Um, but there's that issue of juggling priorities. You know, they've now got a baby or a child at home and it's the whole sort of work-life balance comes up a lot. Um, which is why I focus a lot on capacity planning with my clients, because before you do any sort of improvements in your business, you need to kind of work out where you as the business owner sit within that sometimes mess that you've created behind the scenes completely unintentionally. But you need to kind of unpick yourself and think, where do I actually spend the time in the business? And that's where the capacity planning comes in, because you need to see how how many hours essentially you're spending in different areas of the business because if you're juggling other priorities at home as well you really need to watch where you spend your time and it has to be focused obviously on the revenue generation um, and then carefully spread out through other areas of the business and that's when you can look to get systems and team in, teams in place to to support you but obviously that's an expense so you have to balance that with the overall profitability of the business so there's quite a lot of um layers to it I guess but the I would say the most sort of pressing issue that the clients have is I'm usually fully booked and I don't have any time to to do anything else I need to try and claw back some time from somewhere and that's that's usually where we start the conversation I hear this a lot as well from not just from my clients but like my business friends who have kids uh I think time is one of those things that comes up possibly in every conversation I've ever had about business mm -hmm. Um, and quite often, I don't know if you agree with this, but quite often when I delve into people's business, it's not always necessarily a time issue that's the problem, but mm. sometimes there might be like really confusing time consuming processes that don't need to be there or really right. manual uh, stuff about onboarding that, that doesn't need to be as manual. Is there anything that you would say is like the number one thing you should look at when you think time is the issue? What, what do you go to first to check that it's not something else? So capacity planning that I just mentioned will will show you where you spend your time in your business. And that's essentially time tracking where you're spending time in your business. I would suggest doing it over the course of a couple of weeks or usually a month because there's usually monthly tasks that come into it as well. Um, capacity planning starts with working out how many hours you have to dedicate business so let's say you have I don't know five hours a day and there's 20 days 20 working days in the month so that gives you 100 hours to work with and then you track your time and you see where you're spending that 100 hours and then you get a percentage and there's quite a, there's quite a sort of optimum banding of percentages you should be somewhere between that sort of 60 to 80 percent chargeable time which leaves you 20 to 40 percent of non-chargeable time which for, is for all of your business administration your team management your marketing all of that sort of stuff and that would put you at a hundred percent you know you're literally using all of those hundred hours a month um, to work and run your business as well which is actually you know quite a lot do you want to be at your desk for five hours a day actually a lot of people don't want to be or they want to start taking Fridays off so to kind of solve that sort of time you know where do I spend my time issue 
that's when you can think, right, am I actually spending 10 hours a week on administration, you know, chasing invoices, for example, or sending, you know, bloody welcome, 12 page welcome. I remember, do you know what, Gemma, I remember talking to, um, I think they were a virtual assistant. Yeah, they would have been a virtual assistant at the time, probably two years ago. Um, And they were asking me about welcome packs. Now I have nothing against welcome packs. I think they have their place um, depending on the service, right? It's kind of a nice to have rather than a necessary, but you know, depending on the service, fine. And they came to me and they said, um, oh, I've seen a, a template welcome pack for sale and it's 20 pages. Um, do you think it's good value? And they're asking me about it. And I was like, why are you sending a 20 page welcome pack to somebody? And they said, well, because I've been told that that's what I should do in my business. And I said, well, only if you think that's the right thing to do, should you do that in your business? And only if it really adds something. And I just said to them, um, what's your, what's your, what are you helping that client with, right? As a virtual assistant, you're helping them with saving time on their admin and taking things off of their plate. So are you really adding anything by sending them a huge document to read through? That kind of goes against your whole brand messaging and ethos. That doesn't work. That's not nice and efficient, right? And then we're like, oh, okay. And then they can go ahead and make that, that decision. So Yes, looking at the actual systems and and processes in place, not everybody needs the same thing. I think it's really service dependent. So a VA, make it the quickest and easiest onboarding that you can. If you've got a website designer working with you, they're going to be designing or branding, you know, branding um, expert that's working with you. You're probably buying into some sort of design and you want to see more designs and more examples of their designs. So something like a welcome pack or heavily branded information is kind of part of the expectation of working with them. So not everybody is going to have the same onboarding if you want to take onboarding as the example. So working out what works for the kind of business that you have and then actually thinking, right, which bits would add value here which bits would meet my clients expectations and then working out what's the easiest way for me to do this and that's Mm. where you can start to sort of unpick yourself from the the processes that you have in place because you might not actually even need to do them in the first place right but b you can then work out how can I make this really really quick by using some sort of tech or automation to get this done for me Oh, such good points in there. And I do think that sometimes in our own businesses, we overcomplicate or, you know, you maybe see somebody yeah. else do something and you think, oh, maybe I should do that too. And um, sometimes we don't do things that necessarily make the most sense. And so something I always ask my clients and also myself, because I definitely haven't affected this, is what is the easiest mm. and most simple way that this can work for me and for my client? Because it's so easy to overcomplicate isn't it and you think you need all the bells and whistles and all the things that that person over there has got and then you see someone do it differently and you think well maybe I should do that and it's not always necessary is it no absolutely not and it's you know every everything that you put into you know if you take onboarding everything that you put into that is going to cost you and as a service provider you're your resources, your time. So every time that you add a step to it, you know, a welcome pack or a proposal or whatever it might be, that's your time taken up doing that, that you then have to build into your overall cost of the service. So, and most people don't do that. Most people base the cost of the service on the actual service delivery. But what about all this other stuff behind the scenes that's going on? What about all of the invoice creation each month? All of that business administration that goes on before, during and after working with your client as well, that has to be built into the cost of your packages. So every time you add something to that, you're taking away from your overall profit. 
yeah I oh, I really hope people listen to this episode because I think it's like you say it's not necessarily the sexiest um but I think it's really important and I think if you're wanting to run a business long term you know you want that sustainable business you don't just want to have a six-figure year and then and then it disappear you actually want to have consistent growth in your business and you see yourself doing this long term this stuff is like the foundation isn't it it's like the stuff that you really need to look at before you can even look at the frilly stuff that goes on top yeah and I think it's you know on the surface it's like oh you know a bit of tech and and processes it's not sexy or attractive or why would anyone invest in it but one of the biggest transformations that my clients get is the confidence that it brings from knowing that they've got all of this stuff under control and that their business is you know, slick, streamlined, efficient, they can go out and get clients, they feel much more confident to do so, because they know once they've onboarded and brought them on that they're going to get a really great experience from working with them. And then who do you think is going to get the referrals, you know, my clients, so it kind of, it is, it is a sexy, attractive thing to invest in, but it's about switching how you frame it, just reframing how you how you see this impacting your business. And what's, What's more attractive than a a sustainable, profitable business that you can actually take time off from? Surely everybody wants that. Yeah. Do you know what it reminds me of? And I'm about to make this sound even unsexier, but like, you know, when you're really young (laughs) and you think like, oh, I want the bad boy or the guy who dresses really well or the guy who plays guitar or girl. And then as you get older, you're like, actually, do you know, I really want some stability and security. Like I want someone who's going to be there when I get home every day and someone to have dinner with. And it's that shift, isn't it? But almost with your business. Oh my God, Gemma, that's like, that's the best analogy I've ever heard. Yeah, it's literally like in your 20s, you want the bad boy. And then when you get to your 30s, you're like, you know what? I just want someone to make me a cup of tea and make sure there's money coming in every month and make sure the dog's being walked and there's food in the cupboards. Actually, that's kind of sexy because yeah, those are the yeah. things that actually genuinely matter on a day-to-day. Um, and yeah, I think I think that's a great analogy because... It's all about reframing what you actually find attractive. Like, what do you want your business to look like? You might think, oh, wow, I would love to be able to tell people that I've made 100K this year. But actually, well, you know, if you're an agency or you've got associates, you haven't made 100K. You know, your business has made 100K, but your expenses are sky high. So the profit in your bank account at the end of the day, after all said and done, might be less than someone that's working on their own feeling like crap because they haven't made 100K, but actually their profit margin is much higher because they're not paying a huge team. So the 100K claims just absolutely drive me nuts because there's just no substance to it. And actually seeing behind the scenes in so many businesses, you know, not current current clients, but, but previous clients that I've worked with, there's so much that goes into these big money months and years that you just have to think, is it really worth it? Like, would you not be happier earning a little bit less, but being able to pick your kids up from school every day? Like, what's the overall overall goal here? And I bet you when you started your business, you didn't leave your corporate job and think, I'm going to make 100k this year. You probably thought I want to make about the same as I'm making now, but take a few afternoons off a week and be able to show up for my kids and go on holiday and just clock out of work like wouldn't that be great and call the shots but the reality is people get get caught up in other people's dreams and goals and what is currently being pushed on social media 
and you really quickly lose sight of what your actual values are and what your original goals were. Um, and it's it's always good to to remind you of of those sometimes. And I don't know, like, have you got yours written anywhere, Gemma? Like, I look back at mine sometimes. I've got them in the front of a notebook, um, and I look back at them occasionally when I can feel my mind wandering. I look back and think, actually, yeah, I'm on track. I'm pretty good. Yeah. Do you know what? As you're listening to this, I'm like, I did it right. I did the whole. I just hit 100k thing, and yeah. I mean, this was back. Oh god, like 2020. Um, and I, I have also openly talked about the fact that it was the most un, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, un, like I didn't feel, I didn't feel anything, basically. I was like, oh, yeah. that's yeah. a six figure number. And like, okay, cool. Um, I, it was like, it wasn't how I thought it was going to feel. And I've talked quite a lot about that. Um, and I do think sometimes the money inspires me. Like I do follow some people who talk about money and I'm like, oh, that's like really motivational. Mm. But I think what it showed me at the time was like, money's great, but it's about what you want to do with that money or, or what you want to do with your life. And what I realized was I've got the money, but like, I'm not doing any of the things that are important to me. And I actually would rather have the opposite. I would rather have no money and the things that are important to me. Um, and that really shifted how I ran my business from then. Um, but I will hold my hands up and say, like, I did it too. Like, I was one of those people, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I've, I hit one of these amazing milestones that you see. And I had exactly the same feeling as you, Gemma. I was literally like, is that it? Is that, is that how I'm meant to feel? Like, it felt like a total anticlimax. And I wasn't particularly, like, pushing for the, that particular milestone. But I realized at the end of, you know, when I totted things up, I was like, oh, okay cool and then that was it it was just like wow you know that's it on a spreadsheet sort of thing um and but what's the point what's the point if you make 100k a year or 10k a month or whatever the milestone is that you're that you're thinking of at that part at that point what is the point if you can't do anything with that money and if you're chained to your desk all the time or constantly staring at your phone messaging people meanwhile your husband and your kids are sat next to you getting ignored like what is what is the point in it all and that's what you've got to remind yourself of and it's really important to to build a business that gives you freedom like you didn't build your business to be stuck behind your laptop 24 7 and working at weekends and it's really it can be really difficult to pick yourself out of that situation once you get into it um but that's that's where I start with people that's how I help yeah. And it comes back to what you said earlier, doesn't it? About you've got to figure out what it is that you're trying to do and what you want your business to do. Because in the same way that you could look at somebody else's onboarding process or somebody else's financial goals and think, oh, that's what I've got to work towards. It, it doesn't work. If you look at what everyone else is doing, you've got to figure out what your thing is. And if you figure out that with the goals that you have and the things that you want to do, the things you want to buy, you need to earn six figures then great. That's a great goal for you to have because you know why you're doing it. I think the problem is when you look at someone else and think, oh, well, everyone else is doing it. So I'm going to take that goal and have it for myself because it's really hard to work towards a goal when you don't even know why you're working towards it. So I think if the money is a goal for you, that's yeah. great. As long as you know what it's for, you know? Yeah, exactly. And like, I've got two questions that I always ask myself when I'm about to make decisions, whether it's like taking on a new big client or something like that. I ask myself, does this play into my money goal? 
the answer normally is yes if it's a new client um but does it play into my overall goal for the business and for taking time back for myself and my kids and what well, my kids um and you know just generally giving me more freedom and I have to balance those things constantly and it's always about the money like that's not the the front runner in all of my decision um decisions that I make it's really important that you have like a couple of questions where you just check in with yourself and think is this actually a decision that's going to make my business and my life better or is it just a, a financial decision and I would I would counsel anybody that is just doing it for the financial reasons that that is not enough that's not a sustainable way to work um now we've all got mortgages rent and stuff to pay so sometimes you do have to take that decision and go for the money but that has to be a short-term thing or an ad hoc thing that it's not just your general business model of saying yes to absolutely everything because it's going to generate more and more money. Um, if it's if it's for a reason, then that's okay. And that's probably for a reason that plays into the second question, which is, does it play into more of my sort of time and my life that I'm trying to build? Because you need a nice house to live in, right? You need, you need a roof over your head. You need to buy food. So if it's playing into that, that's fine. But if you've already got that covered, think about what else, what else, is meaningful to you and I bet it's not always the finances mm-hmm. I am um, I don't I don't 100% agree with this book but the four-hour work week has a really good exercise where it says like of all the things that you do want to spend money on um like you make a list and there's like a little worksheet in there and you calculate how much you actually need to be earning and quite often it's less than you think so I think an exercise like that is really good although yeah. the book yeah. isn't the best book in the world in terms of what it says about VAs but um yeah I think Money's a tricky one. And I think it's just one of those really individual things to everybody, as is everything when it comes to business. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a question for you. Yeah. It, it feels like, for the most part, your business is in a really good place. Like, I love watching you online. Is there anything right now that you're working on behind the scenes that is actually really tricky for you? Like something that you're struggling with, something that you're frustrated about? Um, give us Give us the gossip. Uh, what am I frustrated about? Um, so for me, I'm slightly switching up the consultancy side um, of things at the moment. So I, I guess the sort of, yeah, the answer to that question is my actual services. I never feel like I quite hit the nail on the head with them. I always feel like there's, I sort of offer things for a little while and then it doesn't feel quite right and I take them back off and I change them and I feel like two-thirds of my business feels like it works perfectly and then I have this this sort of bit on top where I think it's never quite right and it always comes down to the the actual services that I offer Um, and a lot of it is coming down to my feelings around me personally doing done for you stuff anymore Um, so I'm sort of dealing with that a minute of like how do I how do I unpick myself from that side of the business? Um, is it possible? Do I need to bring in associates? Like I'm currently trialing um, somebody that comes in to just support with a little bit of the implementation so I can start pulling myself away and just doing operational strategy and then someone else, you know, builds. If there's like tech builds to be done, I concentrate on the sort of business consultancy side and they can implement whatever I've suggested. Um, so yeah, I'm sort of... <laughs> It's tricky because, yeah, yeah, I guess that is what I'm 
I'm struggling with at the minute and what I'm finding frustrating is I'm not quite it feels a little bit messy on that side of things um but I think that's that's normal and it's all part of the journey (laughs) the ever-evolving journey of a business owner of the business never really stands still it's always going under periods of of change and like I'm just bringing out a new OBM training sort of mentorship program um which would be great but again that's gonna need a lot of time and effort from me so that's why I'm trying to unpick myself from the done for you because that's that takes up a lot of my time um so I'm sort of I feel a bit in between at the minute and I know the general direction but I'm just yeah I'm sort of finding my way to get there at the minute if that makes any sense yeah it does and I think as much as obviously I would love you to be in a place that everything is super clear I think sometimes it's really nice just to know that we all have these things that we're dealing with like we all have stuff where we don't have the answers right now or we don't quite have clarity around something and I think sometimes it's just nice to be reminded that the people you watch online and the people that you follow and think are doing amazing they can be doing amazing and also still be feeling some of this stuff so I appreciate you sharing um tell us more about this OBM program uh, so yeah very it's very brand new um very exciting I haven't really sort of done a big reveal on it yet because there's a couple of sort of loose ends I'm tying up behind the scenes but um launching in April May this year 2023 um it's going to be quite a long long-term container I'm looking at sort of six months for sort of really helping you in a group situation but anyone that's currently a VA but knowing that they're not feeling particularly challenged anymore um feeling like they're kind of out outgrowing the role um and probably already being um used as kind of an OBM but not being paid for it um or people that have already decided they're an OBM but struggling to sort of make that connection of how to find clients and what the actual role entails um and one of my clients said to me once she used the phrase um she was just it was about an OBM and she was just an expensive VA and that really stuck with me and I thought what what really is the difference between a VA and OBM how can you make this much clearer especially in the UK because it's an American term um how can we make this much clearer with the job role the expectations um you know how do you justify an hourly rate of nearly three times sometimes three triple an hourly rate of a VA how can I help you know I've been doing this successfully for years now how can I help other people sort of the next generation really of OBMs how can I help you step into that role and grow your own OBM business because everyone's will look slightly different so it's going to be in a in a group setting um but with some personalized support as well and there's going to be legal support um OBM training and um a lot of community and accountability as well because I feel like that's missing in the online business manager space um so yeah it's it's still in development but we're we're nearly nearly there with it and I'm really excited because I think this is from the from the market research calls that I did this is this is clearly needed um and I feel like I've got the the skill set to be able to to grow other OBM businesses and really get get people excited about being an OBM rather than worried about how do I charge three times the price of my VA rate um, because that seemed to be the thing that came up most in the market research calls so yeah I'm I'm excited about it I'm really 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 looking forward to it actually 
It sounds really exciting. I'm excited for you. And I can tell from the way that you talk about it that it's exciting for you, you know? Um, so that's really nice to see. And yeah, thank you for coming to chat to us. This has been so interesting. Oh, thank you. Yeah, anytime. It's um, I always love connecting with business owners that aren't caught up in the sort of Instagram, shiny, glossy, everything's great. And, you know, going on holiday and making big money months like yeah that might happen but actually normalizing the fact that sometimes business can feel really hard and finding mm -hmm. people that are, are open to talking honestly about it is you know I feel like there's more of us these days that are trying to be more open um but it's always a it's always a it's always difficult I find because it's like you're kind of marketing yourself so do you want to tell all of the, the difficult bits as well and I think that's as much as you feel comfortable with it's it's nice to share so yeah thank you Gemma it's always really nice to to chat with you oh you're so welcome it's been really lovely to chat and catch up and I totally agree that it's a hard one it's a it's a line that I think I probably sometimes cross um but I think the realness is what people want and what people crave so I will continue doing that and continue yeah. having these podcast conversations where I get all of these um definitely really interesting insights so thank you.